Good morning, Bethel family. If you don't know my name, my name is Eugene. It is a joy to serve here as a pastoral resident. Last Sunday, Pastor Chris introduced us to a two-part series leading to, into Thanksgiving. And so last week, we were encouraged to fast and pray as we entrust our soul in deep longing to God in the midst of our many desperate circumstances. But this morning, we are going to see how God's word will stir our hearts to consider feasting and praising his name during hardships and pain, even as we go into this Thanksgiving week. So if you have a Bible, please turn to Psalm 100. If you're using the Bibles underneath the pews in front of you, you can find Psalm 100 on page 500. A psalm for giving thanks. It says this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. I want to title the sermon this morning, Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Let us go to him again in a word of prayer. Father, whom we know as Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Lord, only you can open our eyes to see you and experience you this morning. So as we gaze upon your word now in Psalm 100, help us to pay much closer attention to it and to receive it as such. Lord, as I attempt to serve your very own people today, I confess and acknowledge my weakness before you, saying, Lord, I need you. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, 
O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Speak, O Lord, for your servant hears. I pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mighty friend of sinners. Amen. We all go through difficult situations in life. Uh, We all face trials of various kinds. Some of them come to us expected, and some of them come to us very unexpected. Life is filled with hardship and pain, and it will continue to be filled with great trials of various kinds. During those hardships, we are left devastated and incredibly sorrowful and dismayed throughout life. And in the middle of all the daunting pain, the Bible calls us to still give thanks to the Lord. Why is that? Well, Psalm 100 is here to show us that. Because Psalm 100 is a wonderful and suitable psalm for us this morning. It is a wonderful and suitable psalm because this psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving. It is a psalm that concludes the collection of psalms highlighting God's kingship. But notice I said Psalm 100 conclude a collection of psalms. And the reason for that is Psalm 93 to Psalm 100 is a unit that utters a global call exhorting everyone to worship God. And so Psalm 95, which Bill read for us a few minutes ago, is closely connected to Psalm 100 because Psalm 95 is a call of praise to God as maker and the shepherd of Israel. And Psalm 100 is a call of praise to God as the maker and the shepherd of the nations, which shows that Israel and the nations would come together under one banner, which is praising the name of Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D, who is God, the sovereign ruler of all. So according to Psalm 100, the big question to consider as we look closely to the text is, why should you give thanks to the Lord? Point number one, because the Lord It's God. Verses 1 to 3, it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Uh, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
This psalm is not like the several previous psalms which begin with a declaration of God's sovereign character. This psalm begins with the most simple and direct exhortation, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. I remember last week I went with some brothers to watch the Sixers basketball game live at, live at the Wells Fargo, uh, Wells Fargo Arena. And while we were there, I couldn't help myself notice this scenario taking place during the game. They always display a prompt on the large middle screen or some team mascot would run around holding a sign saying, make some noise. Now, the saying, make some noise, is usually a prompt displayed in the middle of the stadium, not just for the fan of the supporting team, but everyone, including the fans of the opposing team. The place was so loud. I even had to reach out to the brothers and tell them, if I come here every game, I might go deaf. Here's my point. When the psalmist gave this urgent call in verse 1, he did so to prompt everyone in all the earth to Praise the name of the Lord Yahweh with a joyful shout of adoration. This is a call not just to some nations, but to all the nations. It is a call that extended far beyond the borders of Israel. Charles Spurgeon commented on this verse, and he said this, Our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. A cheerful spirit is in keeping with his nature, his acts, and the gratitude which we should cherish for his mercies. Church, our daily pursuit of deeply knowing God is the fuel that gives you a joyful spirit in God. You can inwardly know him today, even during your many hardships. The more we draw near to the Lord, the more we know all will be well in him. That's why the call of verse 2 is quite relevant when he, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come to his presence with singing. This phrase, serve the Lord, doesn't mean you have, some, you, you have to do some kind of service in the church, even though that's true. Serving the Lord means serving God in all the areas of your life. Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 10 Verses 12 and 13 captured it quite effectively when he said, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God 
to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. What does it mean to serve the Lord with gladness? It means all the areas of your life as delightful worship with recognition to, to know what God has done for you in Christ. I'll say that again. To serve the Lord means all the areas of your life as delightful worship with recognition to what God has done for you in Christ. Brothers and sisters, are you serving the Lord with gladness in all the areas of your life? Or are you grumbling and complaining in life? You remember the scene in Exodus 14 where the Lord rescued his people by overthrowing the Egyptian in the, in the middle of the sea? Uh, do you remember how he rescued his people by causing the water of the sea to come crashing down upon the Egyptian army? God could have performed that miracle just as easily without Moses. Yet he used him as the mediator for the sake of the people and the and to take glory in his mighty saving work. And all that to say, God rescued his people through his mighty saving power at the Red Sea, which was a huge turning point in the history of Israel because Pharaoh and the Egyptian never troubled God's people ever again. Uh, they all drowned and none were left. That saving act led the people of God to have the right posture before the Lord, which was to perform a great song of praise to God in Exodus 15. But after singing praises to God, the people were faced with many troubles ahead, and the rest of Exodus 15 reveals how they didn't exercise patience when they started grumbling because they were thirsty and the water was bitter. Listen, folks, when it comes to serving the Lord, we are called to serve the Lord in all of life with gladness. So are you, great, are you a grateful person? Or are you a grumbling person? Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 14 and 16, humbly encouraged the Philippian church when he said, do all things, not some things, all things, without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Whether it is 
at, at home or outside the home, whether it is in church or outside the church, whether it is at work or outside your work, whether it is in school or outside the school, are you serving the Lord with gladness to reflect God's character to other people? G.C. Bachauer articulated it very well when he said, the essence of Christian theology is grace. And the essence of Christian ethics is gratitude. So let me ask you this, church. When you serve God or come to his presence, is your heart singing or is your heart whimpering? Friends, if your heart is whimpering this morning, let me remind you of the mighty work that God did for you. This work is far much greater than the work he did in Egypt at the Red Sea. It is a mighty work of salvation through his only son, Jesus Christ, at the cross for undeserving sinners like you and me. It is a work which is worth singing praises to God for. Through Jesus Christ and his gospel, God willingly showed you his rich, amazing love and grace. And through his son Jesus, God embraces us and calls us his own. That's why the text tells us in verse 3 that it is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Brothers and sisters, you are no longer your own. Your old life died. And your new life is now hidden with Christ in God. Romans 14 verse 8 declares, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So, whether, so then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Saints, if, you're re- if you really belong to God, you are not going anywhere but to him. You are his. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, explained explain about this idea of being known by God when he profoundly said, God's knowledge of those who are his is associated with his whole purpose of saving mercy. It is a knowledge that implies personal affection, a redeeming action, covenant faithfulness, and providential watchfulness toward those whom God loves. It implies, in other words, salvation now and forever. Church, God loves you. He really does. 
And if you are in Christ, nothing can separate you from his love. Not your pain, not your past, not your current hardships and trials, not even your grief, because the Lord is God, the gracious one, who will never leave you nor forsake you. Even during your hurting moments, He's always there with you. God, our God, is truly and infinitely worthy to be praised. Listen, if you are not in Christ this morning, let me exhort you, please do not wait to know God. The time to know him and to be known by him is right now. Do not wait for the day when God will say, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. God not knowing you is the saddest and worst of all bad news. So turn to him today through repentance from sin and faith in him. But as for you Christians, we can give thanks to the Lord. Even through all the hardship and pain, knowing that the Lord is good, is God. Your thankfulness flows by knowing the Lord because growing closer to him is far much better. It is there in God's presence where we can sing praise to him. Why should you give thanks to the Lord? Point number two, because the Lord is good. Look at verses four and five. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. There is now a shift in the text. The psalmist went from making a joyful call of declaration to all the earth to making an invitation to the people of God to enter the gates, to enter the courts of the temple. And as they approach entering the gates, they should do so with thanksgiving and praise, recognizing what God has done for them. In the movie Harry Potter, there is a scene in the film of a talking painting hanging on a door. And in that painting, there is a lady. And her main duty is to guard the Gryffindor tower room door. 
No one has access to enter the room if he or she has not been granted an entrance. And so, to enter the Gryffindor room, someone who belongs to the Gryffindor class must supply the correct password to enter in. So if someone approaches the door, the lady on the painting will request for the password by simply shouting, password? Well, my voice is not that feminine, but... <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone gets the password wrong, Nobody, nobody's getting in. But here's the catch. Those who belong to the Gryffindor class already know the password because they belong to the class. So when the psalmist declares, enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise, he means the people of God has an invitation to enter a whole different realm. And that realm is God's realm, filled with nothing but glorious, eternal beauty and wonder. And on that, on that gate stands the Lord Jesus Christ as the gate itself, saying, enter. Enter the gates through repentance and faith in me as the gateway to justification and new life. And saints, do you know what your fruitful password is? Your fruitful password is thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for granting access for me to enter in. See, Thankfulness is the fruit of showing that you've been redeemed. So strive to give thanks to the Lord. The gate to enter is indeed narrow. And the way, the way which leads to life is indeed hard. But you still can give thanks to the Lord as you enter in even in your pain, because it is worth it. It is worth it. Having a heart of thankfulness and praise towards the Lord is the right devoted posture of recognizing that God is really good. And folks, God is truly good. He is good in the plans that he has prepared for you. He is good in his marvelous grace. He is good in his forgiving work. He is good with his unbreakable covenant. He is good in all the aspects of his divine character. And this good God, according to Paul in Romans 828 is working all things together for good for those whom, who love him and are called according to his purpose. Bethel, no one else 
is good except the Lord God Almighty. I'm sure you recall this moment in the Bible when the rich young ruler had an encounter with Jesus in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. He asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus, of course, in that scene was referring to himself as God incarnate. All the all that the rich young ruler wanted was to know how to inherit eternal life. So Jesus said, okay, you want to inherit eternal life? I'll tell you what, here's the Ten Commandments. The rich young ruler simply replied and said, I've kept all these. Jesus looked at him so intently and loved him. And then told him, go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. You know how the story continues. The rich young ruler was so sad, so dismayed. He went away sorrowful because he had so much great possessions. The church, here's my point. God is the only one who is good, and he alone can teach us who is truly good. Him. Him alone. So here's my question. How can you know the Lord is good? Well, the text tells us. Verse 5. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. God is so good to us. And he has been faithful to us before. And he will certainly continue to be faithful to us until the day we see him face to face. Church, there is no one like him. This brief first five-verse psalm end with such a powerful exhortation. It is an exhortation of God's rich and everlasting mercy and truth. It is quite relevant for the psalmist to end this way. And it is even more of a reason why we should give thanks to the Lord and to give praise to his glorious name. We should do that because the Lord is God, and he is good. To quote Charles Spurgeon once again, he said, so long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. Friends, your pain does not speak the final word. Your past does not speak the final word. Your current hardships and pain and trials do not speak the final word. Your grief does not speak the final word. Why? Because you belong to the Lord. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. You have, su 
you have much greater and better days ahead. Eternal days kept in heaven for you in Christ. Those who come to God through his son Jesus come to Mount Zion. And so as you consider feasting and praising the name of Yahweh this Thanksgiving, remember Jesus Christ because one day you will feast together forever with him in the house of Zion. Through the gospel, God is gathering a people for his own possession. You are it if you are in Christ. He is gathering his chosen people from all the nations. And the spirit of Christ is actively at work, moving powerfully to do a divine act of building a new place for God's people to dwell. He's building a new place for God's people to dwell with God in the everlasting kingdom. What a joy that is. What a joy that day will be. What a joy knowing that one day we'll see God and we will feast with him forevermore. Praise the Lord and give thanks to his glorious name. I was recently, I was recently pondering a story that most of us might be familiar with. It is a story of one of my favorites, favorite heroes in the faith. On July 30th, 1967, a young 17-year-old girl went to the beach with her sister. And this girl took a dive into a Chesapeake Bay, but she misjudged the shallowness of the water. And after she took that dive, she was left with a fracture between her fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae. She became quadriplegic, totally paralyzed from shoulders down. The name of this young girl is Johnny Erickson Tara. She lives to this day at age 74. And she's been functioning through life in a wheelchair for exactly 56 years. And so as I was reading Johnny's life this week, this is what she once said while she was reflecting on God's goodness in the midst of such tragedy in her life. She said, it has everything to do with God and his grace. Not just grace over the long haul, but grace in truly, in grace in tiny moments, like breathing in and out, like stepping stones leading you from one experience to the next. Uh, the beauty of such grace is that it eclipses the suffering until one July morning you look back and see five decades of God working in a mighty way. 
Grace softened the edges of past pains, helping to highlight the eternal. What you are left with is peace that's profound, joy that's unshakable, faith that's ironclad. It is hard, but beautiful stuff of which God makes 50 years, 50 plus years of your life. Like, when did that happen? I cannot say, but I surely love Jesus for it. John's testimony is a testimony of one who has borrowed Psalm 100 quite effectively. She still gives thanks to the Lord to this day because she knows and believes that the Lord is God. She still gives thanks to the Lord to this day because she believes that the Lord is good. Church, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come to his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Church, As you go about your day today and the rest of this week, remember that God's enduring love should empower your gratitude even when life is hard. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are the sovereign one. We thank you that you are the God of all things. We give thanks to you that you are good, even in the midst of our pain and hardships. You're still good even in the midst of unexpected tragedy or expected tragedy. Because we believe that all is well with you. You did a mighty work for undeserving sinners like us. We thank you, glorify name, because of your son, Jesus Christ, and his gospel at the cross of Calvary. 
We adore you. We praise you. We give you thanks, O Lord. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.